You're going to love this. Just love it. Awesome. I hope so. Pacifica Radios, KPFK in Los Angeles. This is your broadcast, as heard on 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM Ridgecrest in China Lake, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast, 93 FM WLRI Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And, of course, coast-to-coast and around the globe on kpfk.org. Streaming on the Progressive Voices channel, on Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, and Radio Sputnik, five days a week. That's right, Monday through Friday. Don't forget to catch your broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around, swell fellow, says me. From bradblog.com, thank you for joining us for another thrilling, action-packed adventure. And it always is, particularly when we open up the phones to your calls, as we will try to do today at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, as we are live in the beautiful studios of Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles. Uh, Some breaking news as we go to air today. Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon has stayed for now, last-minute stay, of execution of Richard Glossop, citing concerns of uh, of the new execution drug that they are planning to use in Oklahoma. Oh, that's nice of her. This, of course, is uh, Oklahoma, where uh, a man was writhing in pain on the table uh, before dying last year during a what they called a botched execution, was writhing uh, in in horrific pain for four hours. So nice of Governor Mary Fallon to uh, err on the side of caution this time around. Also, as we go to air, the uh, the U.S. House has just passed a continuing resolution to keep the government open until December. So yay! I know, I know. Desi Doyen is happy about that. Uh, we are uh, going to keep the government open until December. We are told, and then uh, all hell breaks loose once again at the end of the year around Christmas. So uh, Merry Christmas, Desi. Oh yeah, what fun! What fun is in store for us to see what hostage no will be taken next? Now, please note that uh, the uh, Republicans in the House rejected this continuing uh, resolution. In a big way, 151 to 91, whereas the Democrats supported it unanimously, 186 to nothing. So if you're wondering why John Boehner quit last week, 
you can look to this because had this happened, had he gone to the uh, gone to the Democrats to get this thing passed, there would have been even more of a stupid right wing uprising than we already have in our stupid right wing House of uh, Representatives. So, yeah, that's what John Boehner quitting on Friday was all about. Uh, Hurricane Joaquin is poised to hit the Bahamas and then headed straight to the U.S. next week, most likely. Uh, it has now strengthened into a Category 1 hurricane in the Atlantic. Um, it is uh, going to pound central Bahamas. Heavy rains. Heavy rains are already drenching the East Coast. After that, uh, after it hits the Bahamas at that point, it is hard to predict where it's going to go. But uh, flooding is going to be happening in uh, the eastern U.S., which is already, as I say, already drenched. CNN notes that a hurricane has not made landfall in eastern U.S. since Hurricane Arthur in uh, in 2014 uh, in North Carolina. That may well change. It looks like it is on course to hit the northeast Yes, buckle up, New York, New Jersey, places that were hit uh, very hard by Sandy and uh, Desi Doyen. This, uh, our producer Desi Doyen, my co-host of the Green News Report, uh, this is supposed to have uh, quite a bit of moisture yes. in this hurricane. Yes, we I think told. that would be understating it quite a bit. They're estimating at least 10 inches of rain, uh, depending upon where it actually hits. Now, right now, the course of it looks like it's uh, making a uh, making its way towards Norfolk, Virginia, which is, you know, the U.S. Navy yards are there. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that is that Norfolk is really uh, has already had problems with just daily flooding on just regular regular bad storm days. So all that rain on top of a storm surge from a hurricane means lots of flooding for whoever's going to be in the bullseye. But Norfolk is not in a good place right and, now. And to be clear, that ten inches of rainfall in the on the Mid Atlantic, that's in the next seven days with a miss. That's if the uh, hurricane right. doesn't hit. It's not if there's a direct no direct hit, hit they're still going to get some, 10 inches of rain. Yeah, right. There are some models that show it curving out to the east uh, and avoiding the U.S. entirely, but they're still going to get a huge amount of rain. They're still going to get as much as uh, 10 inches. If there's a direct hit, it could be much, much more. I have a feeling by Monday... Uh, we will be on this program. We will be talking about uh, Hurricane Joaquin on the East Coast. I hope that I am wrong, but... Like Rush Limbaugh, I never am. That's what he said yesterday. Uh, Of course, I I actually never am. He just says it. Uh, Speaking of uh, never being wrong, uh, the Iran deal uh, was uh, the hysteria over it. We told you that it was a bunch of manufactured nonsense. Uh, we 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 covered it with uh, who was M J Rosenberg, a former APAC staff, staffer, former congressional staffer. He had called out Republicans and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and mostly he called out APAC and their was it twenty million dollar, thirty million dollar hysteria campaign, claiming that the Iran peace deal would mean Israel's imminent destruction. M.J. Rosenberg had told us that uh, Israeli intelligence already didn't agree with that assessment by uh, by the Republicans and by Netanyahu. They thought it was a good deal for Israel. And now we also know the military felt the same way. Um, Benny Gantz was the chief of staff of the Israel Defense Forces from 2011 until he was uh, succeeded this past February. He spoke on Friday at AIPAC 
No, actually, at the APAC-aligned Washington Institute for Near East Policy, he said, I do agree that a better deal could have been reached, one that more extensively restricted uranium enrichment. Uh, But I see the half-full part of the glass, he said. I see the achievement of keeping the Iranians 10 to 15 years into the future— and that's at a minimum, frankly, uh, postponing their having a nuclear capability at the right price. So the chief of staff of the uh, IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, says, uh, yeah, actually, that that Iran deal is a pretty good deal. Josh Marshall writes that his uh, argument is a hard one to dispute and that and uh, and that difficulty was and, and, and that difficulty was what was behind the need for the big lie. The fact that it was hard to dispute was was behind the need for the big lie of Prime Minister Netanyahu, almost all top elected Republicans, AIPAC and so many others. When they argued that delaying or preventing an, Iran, an Iranian nuclear weapon, uh, quote, paved the way for a weapon. So yes, stopping the weapon assured the weapon. That was their argument. It actually was. Josh uh, Marshall notes at Talking Points Memos, that was always nonsense. It's good to have yet another member of the Israeli Armed Forces, one at the pinnacle of the establishment, now say as much. Uh, more news today. Uh, big news, actually. Uh, in, uh, in Syria, Russian warplanes have begun uh, strikes, airstrikes in Syria on Wednesday, uh, adding an unpredictable new element to a multi-layered war that has already drawn in the U.S. and allies, created millions of refugees and expanded the reach of the Islamic State, according to The Washington Post. Washington has quickly criticized the airstrikes, which the Pentagon said apparently uh, hit areas where the Islamic State militants, ostensibly the intended targets, probably were not present. That's according to Washington. But U.S. officials said Moscow's moves would not change a U.S.-led air campaign targeting Islamic State strongholds in Syria. We're bombing in Syria. No, we're bombing in Syria. No, we're bomb- we were bombing here first. The Russian strikes also sharply raised the stakes over competing visions for Syria outlined earlier this week at the U.N. We talked about that. uh, I can't even I think it was yesterday's show with Russian uh, Vladimir Putin insisting that Syria's embattled government is the key to stability, while President Obama says the status quo cannot stand after more than four years of bloodshed. They are still calling on uh, uh, Bashir al-Assad to step down, although not calling on it quite as loudly as before. The introduction of Russian air power, says Washington Post, just hours after Russia's parliament authorized the use of military force, is certain to deepen American concerns over possible escalations on Syrian battlefronts. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem with all of these reports that I'm seeing today about what uh, what Russia is doing in Syria. Okay, speaking to reporters later at the Pentagon, Defense Secretary Ashton B. Carter said it appeared that the Russian airstrikes were carried out in areas where Islamic State forces were, quote, probably not present, and, quote, that it is that is precisely one of the problems with this whole approach, unquote. Carter says a U.S.-led coalition fighting Islamic State militants intends to continue our air operations unimpeded. No, we're bombing. No, we're bombing. Despite the Russian intervention, 
Carter said uh, meetings between U.S. and Russian defense officials in the next few days would help to make sure there are no inadvertent incidents between coalition and Russian pilots who are flying combat sorties over Syria. Now, so here's the problem. Uh, Defense Secretary Ashton Carter says that Russia, they're, they're not even bombing ISIS. They're bombing a whole other area where ISIS doesn't even exist. They're, they're fighting, the, they're bombing the, the moderate militants that we are supporting the rebels in trying to overthrow Assad. That seems to be the claim that, uh, that the U.S. is making and that Washington Post seems to be uncritically reporting and also that the New York Times appear, appears to be uncritically reporting. They say Vladimir, President Vladimir V. Putin of Russia suddenly escalated the stakes in his contest with the West over influence in the Middle East on Wednesday as Russian pilots carried out their first airstrikes in Syria. They add, uh, but homes, that's where uh, they are said to be bombing. Homes, where Russia is said to be bombing. I know it's hard to keep it all straight. Who is bombing where? Uh, But uh, homes is not under the control of the Islamic State, says the New York Times. BBC echoes the same. A Syrian opposition activist network, the local coordination committees, whoever that is, said Russian warplanes hit five towns. Zafarena, Rastin, Ta- uh, Talbise, Makarmia, and Ganto. Pardon me if I got those completely wrong, uh, the way they're pronounced. Resulting in the deaths of 36 people, including five children. None of the areas targeted were controlled by ISIS, activists said, according to BBC. So you got Washington Post, New York Times, BBC, all saying... That Russia is just up to no good. Russia is is bombing. They're working with Assad, and they are not fighting ISIS. They are fighting in areas where ISIS is not. They must be stopped. Well, oddly enough, okay, so that was those were all reports from today. But as a fairness in accuracy in reporting reports this morning, uh, AFP said just la- reported la- just last week that the Islamic State. A jihadist group executed nine men and and a boy it accused of being gay in central and northern Syria uh, on Monday last week. The Syrian Observatory for Human Rights said the jihadists shot dead seven men in Rastin. That was one of the five towns that uh, whose names I butchered moments ago. Uh, So ISIS shot dead seven men in Rastin, a town in Homs, in the Homs province of central Syria, after accusing them of being homosexual. That was last week from AFP. And the Daily Mail in late July uh, published a photograph allegedly showing ISIS killing a man in homes for homosexuality earlier this year. So who to believe? I have no idea. I have no idea who to believe about this. And, uh, you know, uh, people in the U.S. are probably likely are inclined uh, to to believe U.S. officials. But, you know, we also believed U.S. officials when they said the fight was going well against ISIS until, as we uh, reported uh, and discussed on this show just a few weeks ago, some 50 U.S. intel intelligence officials are saying that uh, somewhere in the military, higher-ups in the military, somewhere in the, uh, I don't know if it's all the way up to the Obama administration itself in the White House, but someone was changing their intelligence reports. They were trying to say, no, it is not going very well. And those reports 
were getting changed. Now, uh, we don't know all of the details of that, but the inspector general, the uh, um, military uh, defense agency, uh, uh, defense intelligence agency, DIA, I guess is what it's called, uh, seems to be taking this, this report very seriously. And this report of these 50 people, 50 intelligence agents who have now signed on to say, nope, never happened. Or at least, uh, nope, it's not going well, and we've been trying to say that, and they've been changing our reports. So, you know, when you lose credibility, it's hard to get it back. Uh, we had uh, Ray McGovern on this show uh, also, uh, well, a month or two ago at this point. He used to deliver the presidential daily briefings each morning to uh, a number of presidents, Reagan and Bush Sr. and uh, and so forth. Uh, he questioned the intelligence concerning Ukraine and the shoot down of the Malaysian air uh, Malaysian flight over the Ukraine, which was blamed on uh, Putin backed, quote unquote, rebels in in Ukraine. And he made a very good case of why that report should not be believed and that John Kerry and uh, Barack Obama, if they actually had evidence of that particular shoot down, that they would have or should have brought it out. So that's another strike against the administration. I could go on and on, but I can tell you that when the Bush administration, that when it became very clear that the Bush administration was lying about the intelligence in Iraq, thereafter it was you had to be stupid to continue to believe them. I don't believe we have uh, reached those proportions yet uh, as it as it regards the uh, Obama administration as far as blatant outright lies and the evidence to uh, to demonstrate those lies. I don't believe we've gotten that far yet. But we're getting close. We're getting close. So when you hear something like, uh, you know, the, the reporting today about what is going on in Syria and when you see the reports that, oh, wait a minute, the media just last week was saying, yes. Yes, ISIS is in those areas where Russia is bombing and where our defense secretary says ISIS is not. It is uh, very difficult to know who and what to believe. So I just want to sort of put that on your radar for the moment. Uh, we do this show, as as I hope you know by now, five days a week, Monday through Friday. And uh, we've had some uh, some really interesting conversations uh, this week, some interesting interviews, some material that is just not getting out there the way it should. So I want to want to talk about some of that, play a few clips uh, from uh, some of the folks we talked to this week, and then we will open up your uh, open up the phones to talk to you. Oh, and Desi Doyen will be back with us with the Green News Report, a big one this week, uh, considering China is now launching uh, a cap-and-trade system to curb carbon emissions, even though Republicans said they never would. Of course, uh, the last remnants of Pope Francis and his call for uh, a comprehensive climate treaty as we head towards the Paris talks in uh, December, I think it's December. And, uh, and, and oh, and also new report finds that the uh, entire world could move to renewable energy in just 35 years. Just 35 years, we could do away with fossil fuels entirely. And it would add a whole bunch of jobs and it would clean up the goddamn planet. Finally, in the Green News report coming up, Shell has pulled the plug on its Arctic drilling misadventure. So a big Green News report uh, coming up a little bit later with Desi Doyen and your calls. But uh, we've been talking about uh, somewhat in regard to the Volkswagen nonsense. Uh, 
and the way that they were uh, gaming their computer systems so that, uh, you know, during tests, it wouldn't be clear that their cars were actually polluting 40 times above the levels that they were supposed to. Uh, we're talking about that and this new report out about uh, from Brennan Center for Justice about the fact that our uh, voting systems, our voting computers, tabulation systems are really old. They're failing. And uh, we may be in trouble in state after state uh, by 2016 if those are not replaced. Of course, it's too late to replace any of them at this point for the most part. Uh, and I interviewed the uh, the author of that Brennan Center report, Lawrence Norden, about that um, a couple of weeks ago. You can go to bradblog.com or kpfk.org and look up that interview because I, I tried to hold his feet to the fire a little bit of, about it and say, hey, why is it that you are calling for new voting machines to replace the ones that you said should have never been used in the first place, that they had all kinds of problems. What makes you so sure that these new computers are going to work any better than the old computers? They certainly won't be any more transparent. Uh, Then I heard from Virginia Martin. She's the Democratic uh, election commissioner in Columbia County, New York. Uh, She was critical of uh, Lawrence Norton. She was critical of that report from Brennan Center uh, and said, you know what? Uh, Here in Columbia County, we count all of our ballots by hand, every single one. We were ordered by the state to move to a computer optical scan system, she says. And when we did, she had no idea if that computer would count it accurately. Here's uh, I had both her and her Republican counterpart on the broadcast yesterday. Here's what Virginia Martin said about uh, her concerns about optical scan paper ballot optical scanners. When New York State and the federal government mandated that we use optical scans instead, I started looking at those systems. And, you know, my question was, how do I know that that result is the right result? And I said, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to be able to see how the voting machines added up the votes. So I'm not going to know, and I'm going to have to certify these results, and I feel very uncomfortable doing that. So how can I know that the machine results are correct? And I said, well, we have the paper ballots. Let's count them. <laughs> we have the paper ballots. Let's count them. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Why doesn't anybody else do that? Uh, well, some people do. Some towns in New Hampshire and, and, and in other towns around the country. But I think Columbia County may be the only county in all of uh, the U.S. I know she confirmed that it was uh, the only county in New York State that actually counts every paper ballot by hand. Uh, but it makes both her and her Republican counterpart, Jason Nasky, who also joined me on the show. I'll play a a clip from him in a second. It makes them certainly more confident about the results, but it also makes their voters more confident about the results. It also makes the candidates more confident about the results, and it makes the candidates' supporters more confident about the results. I've heard from, uh, since I interviewed uh, Virginia Martin uh, yesterday, I've heard from people saying, yeah, I'm a voter in Columbia County, and we love the fact that we count every paper ballot by hand. Here's Virginia Martin again talking about uh, how this adds confidence uh, to the election results from the public. The fact is that I and Jason are both very, very confident in the results that we certify. And I must say that I think the voters in our county are similarly confident. 
and you know if we've got a, a candidate that lost by a few votes and they've been here and they've watched the process they are very confident that they did truly lose and it's been said that, of course, the mark of a uh, successful election is when the loser and the loser supporters can walk away knowing that they have lost. Now, I ask, you know, out here in Los Angeles, we have been working on a millions dollar system uh, to uh, create a new computers for voting, a touchscreen system out here that will print out the ballots. And then those ballots will be counted by another computer, an optical scan computer. We've had uh, Dean Logan, the uh, the election, uh, the registrar clerk out here in Los Angeles, the largest voting jurisdiction in the country. I've had him on the show to talk about this. Uh, I've talked about my concerns. We need to get him back on this show, uh, see how that project is going, because it's going to be coming, uh, I'm told, after the 2016 election, and the rest of the country is looking at it, because, yes, their computers are uh, failing, and they are now looking at Los Angeles and, and thinking of adopting their system. Why aren't they thinking of adopting hand counting the way they are counting in Columbia County? I had asked that to Lawrence uh, Norden, the author of that report, uh, correctly warning about these aging voting machines. I would say incorrectly advising people to get new uh, computers. But I asked him about that. He said, well, you just can't do that in a town, in in a, a jurisdiction the size of Los Angeles. There's just too many voters. Well, I asked Jason Naskey about exactly that. Jason Naskey is the Republican election commissioner in Columbia County. They have both a Republican and a Democratic uh, co-commissioners that head that up and they make every decision together. And both of them joined me on the show. Jason said, no, this is not a, a Republican or a Democratic issue. This is an issue of what is uh, what's right and what's wrong. And I said, well, could this be done in a larger county like out here in uh, in Los Angeles, for example, or elsewhere in New York City? Here's uh, here's here's my colloquy with Jason Nasky, Republican uh, election supervisor from Columbia County. Columbia County has sixty three thousand uh uh, people. I'm not sure how many voters. That's that's not exactly small. Uh, it's certainly smaller than Los Angeles. Do you think that what you guys do in Columbia County uh, could work in other uh, larger uh, counties as well? It, it can work in all of New York State because all the election districts are, are mandated to be no bigger than a certain size, which I believe is 1,150 voters. So when you break it all down by, by election district, it can work anywhere. Uh, 1,150 voters per precinct, is that right? Per precinct, correct. So all it is is, 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 is is creating the process by which you then would would put into place into each precinct. But the idea, the, the, the process would be the same, even if you were dealing with more precincts. Mm -hmm. And so you would simply bring in more teams of people to physically hand count what, what are in the a larger municipality or a larger county. So there you go. Uh, Jason Naskey, the uh, Republican election uh, uh, commissioner in Columbia County, New York, where they count every single ballot by hand. And by the way, they do it. They still do the optical scans uh, because they have to. The New, uh, New York state requires them to do that. But uh, these two, Republican and Democrat, agree they will not certify the election until they have publicly hand-counted the paper ballots, the hand-marked paper ballots, I should add. So uh, are you confident with your voting system? Are you confident? Do you like the idea of going, especially out here in Los Angeles, to a, a touchscreen system that prints out your ballot? They say, oh, you can review it before you drop it in the op scanner. Uh, are you comfortable with that? 818-985-KPFK is my phone number. 818-985-5735. 
Uh, okay, a couple more points I want to get to before we get to the uh, to the phones. Uh, Exxon, Exxon knew. Exxon knew. They knew since 1977 at least that uh, exactly the thing that uh, they, or at least Republicans uh, who who take all of their uh, Exxon money, are now are now denying. Exxon knew. Exxon knew that the burning of fossil fuels by man was warming the client, uh, the client, the climate, was warming the climate. Uh, that the increase of CO2 was going to warm the planet and would lead to potentially catastrophic ends. They knew. Their scientists knew. They spent a lot of money on it. And then something happened. And they decided to start, instead of uh, uh, investing in science to figure out what to do about climate change, they started investing into the uh, groups who would obscure the very science that Exxon themselves had paid millions for. I interviewed Neela Banerjee of Inside Climate News about this uh, blockbuster series of reports based on uh, eight months, eight month investigation into four decades of uh, of of Exxon's uh, internal company documents, interviews with their scientists, interviews with their employees. This is a blockbuster report, a huge report with Inside Climate uh, News, who, who recently won a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, Well, here's just a a minute or two from my uh, conversation with Neela Banerjee this week. The evidence that we have shows that Exxon knew, uh, Exxon's top management knew as early as the, as 1977, that there was emerging science on increased CO2 emissions to the atmosphere. That increase was driven by fossil fuel use. And it uh, threatened to warm the planet. And uh, once the planet warmed decades from 1977, that various uh, aspects of human life would experience grave consequences, uh, like agriculture, for example, or, you know, economies and so on. Exxon was already starting to think of, of potentially becoming a diversified energy company. Was involved in things like, you know, developed one of the first um, lithium-ion batteries. One of its scientists, you know, they did a lot of work on solar. They did a lot of work on nuclear. You know, so, so Exxon had this mindset that they're not just wedded to oil and gas. By the late 80s, the company had changed, and, um, and people like Lee Raymond had ascended to the highest echelons of the company. You know, Raymond has a PhD in, in chemical engineering, smart man, and he just convinced himself that he had the knowledge to understand, you know, atmospheric science, and he thought it was all a hoax. They've done enormous damage to the discourse um, over 20 or 25 years, if you, you know, if you start the clock ticking from 89 or 90. It's not just public opinion. It's that Exxon, the Koch brothers and others, funded an entire infrastructure that manufactured doubt and misinformation mm-hmm. about climate. And then they and their political allies could stand up and say, look, look at this reputable think tank that's produced this report saying that, in fact, there isn't a consensus on climate change. And so, you know, so what you do is you create, um, uh, you, you create organizations that, 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 um, that you launder your misinformation through. And that's exactly what Exxon did. 
That's exactly what they did. That was uh, from my interview with Neela Banerjee of Inside Climate News, which you can get in full at bradblog.com, kpfk.org, and elsewhere. Uh, And you need to listen to it because, frankly, you're not going to hear it uh, almost anywhere else. And underscoring again the importance of the independent media, because the fact is that report, blockbuster report from a Pulitzer Prize winning organization, was not even covered on the so-called liberal media, Chris Hayes on MSNBC, where you would expect him to be all over a report like this. Why? I don't know. Why did they not cover it? I don't know. But I do know that uh, MSNBC gets a boatload, a boatload of money from advertising, specifically from ExxonMobil. And remember, this report uh, is not just about global warming, denialism, uh, the fossil fuel industry. This report very specifically is about Exxon, about Exxon and the fact that Exxon knew. Uh, And yet... It wasn't covered. Now, I asked Neela Banerjee about that and why she thought that was. And she pointed out she didn't really know. She wouldn't go on the record to say why she thought that was. But, yes, they have been having trouble getting this report out. And it's incredibly well documented. It's a series of reports. She pointed out that it also hasn't been covered by The New York Times, by Washington Post, by AP. How can that be? It finally the story finally did make it on to MSNBC and Chris Hayes. Yesterday, but not because Chris Hayes reported it, it actually took a vice president, uh, a former vice president of the United States to get that report onto MSNBC. Hayes was interviewing Al Gore and was asking about why it is that the Republican Party, they have no problem beating up on Republicans, just not Exxon directly. Uh, Why it is that Republican Party is the only major party in the world here in the U.S., Uh, the only major political party of any developed country that denies the actual science of climate change. Here was Al Gore's answer, and you'll notice, oh, he got in that Exxon report. There's an old saying in the South, uh, if you see a turtle on top of a fence post, you can be pretty sure it didn't get there by itself. Uh, And in this case, the carbon polluters made a calculated decision quite some time ago to spend a huge amount of money Uh, putting out uh, false ideas, creating uh, false doubts. They took their playbook from the tobacco industry. There's a great book called Merchants of Doubt that documents this. Others have documented a a big part of it. Uh, And, you know, the tobacco companies, after the Surgeon General's report came out, hired actors and dressed them up as doctors and put them in front of cameras with the script that said, I'm a doctor, you don't have to worry about any health problems with, from smoking cigarettes. It was a lie. They knew it was a lie. They've been held to account now, but they delayed action for 40 years. So the large carbon polluters have done essentially the same thing. And they have people pretending to be credentialed scientists in the relevant areas of science putting out totally false information. And we now know that ExxonMobil, for example, thanks to the investigators at Inside Climate News, winners of the Pulitzer Prize, um, that ExxonMobil, the largest of these companies, knew all the facts thoroughly as far back as 1977 and chose to put out false information or to support those who put out false information. Why isn't that on the front page of the New York Times? Why isn't that in the New York Times at all? Why isn't that in AP at all? Why isn't that in Washington Post at all? 
Why does it take Al Gore to come onto MSNBC to get that on their air at all? Yes, please support your local media. Whoever you're hearing this uh, radio uh, show from right now, whatever radio station or website, yes, it matters. Yes, it matters. Because when we go away, these reports go away. You cannot count on the corporate mainstream media to do it. Even the so-called progressive, so-called left MSNBC. Anyway, I got to take a quick break. I'll come back and whine about MSNBC some more after this break and some presidential polls, maybe, unless you want to talk. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Gave you plenty to talk about, but if you got anything else... Let me know. 818-985-5735. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. Baby Bumble and the Stingers, Martha Hooper, Rachel Singers, Lonnie Mac, a twang and Eddie Hisman, ring, we're going steady, take it easy, take me high, lie, lie, how's a fire, locomotion, poco, passion, deeper purple, satisfaction, baby, baby, got it, got it, get me, get me, getting hot, as Sammy's cooking, Leslie, Cora, Richie, Valens, end of story, my feast of Fuji, I'm a Kama Sutra, Rama, Lama, Richard Perry, Spectre, Barry, Righteous, Archers, Nielsen, Harry, Shimmy, Shimmy, Coco, Poppin', Fats, is back and finger poppin', Life is a rock. are rolling you here on the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com live in the studio here in Los Angeles. KPFK Pacifica Radio. Glad you could uh, join us this afternoon, this evening, whenever you happen to be tuning in. You can tweet me, by the way, anytime I am the Brad Blog. You can also drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Desi Doyen is coming up uh, shortly. And, uh, boy, I kind of want to – I've been running long because I uh, kind of wanted to get into uh, the way MSNBC has been just completely, at least this week, when Steve Kornacki uh, was filling in for Rachel Maddow, how he completely ignored Bernie Sanders as if he didn't exist, as if it was a two-person race, one-on-one race between Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, despite the fact that Bernie Sanders is now winning in Iowa, is now winning in New Hampshire, and is is within seven points now in two separate polls of Hillary Clinton nationally. What the hell? Anyway, uh, let me go to some phones here first. I'll get to that if I need to. 818-985-5735. Let's go to uh, D in Pasadena. Hey, D, welcome to the broadcast. Hi. Hi. I just want to basically say I want a paper ballot Yeah. because I don't trust, I have no confidence whatsoever in any of this electronic equipment. Good idea. And the other one was they um, was having Election Day as a day off to vote. Mm, a holiday. 
part of that's not, I don't want to call it a holiday because I don't want people to think they can go out of town and go on vacation. Good. Okay. Yeah. So this is a day off to vote. Okay, good. This, a- be part of, this way you don't have to transport your kids to and from school, mm-hmm. trying to do homework, trying to get out, you know, do dinner, get everybody ready, get yourself ready, you know, do whatever you got, all these different multitasks that we have to do. I like to have it a day off. I'm I'm with you. It should be a day off. And uh, by the way, bring those kids in, bring them into the voting booth with you so they understand how democracy works and then hang That's around right. after the polls close and count the ballots with them as well. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. I hear you, Dee. That's what I'm thank talking you, about, Brent. too. Hey, thank you. And by the way, Dee, uh, you don't just want paper ballots. You want a hand-marked paper ballot so that we know it Absolutely. reflects your intent. We don't want any That's computer right. printing out That's the ballot. There no, you go. No computers. I want. The, we need to go old school. You, you. It's it's new school now, D. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I appreciate the call. Thank you, Brad. All right. Uh, let me go to uh, Bill. Uh, where am I here? Bill in Lake Elsinore. Hey, Bill. Welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, sir? Thank you, Brad. Two very quick points. The first would be um, we have a mail-in uh, ballot system here in Riverside County that's registered mail. So if you could answer me that. Another one would be. Um, during those scientific studies... Wait, wait, what do you mean it's registered mail? Oh, you, 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 it comes registered mail. You have to sign and hand it directly to the... Um, sign and take your um, uh, uh, voted... Um, your, I voted sticker off of it. But you, you're saying that they send it to you registered mail, or you send it back to them you registered mail? send it mail? back to them registered. You have to send it registered mail instead of regular first-class mail? Well, it, it's signed and docket, docketed. Okay. And then you have to hand it to the postal carrier. Okay. Well, by the way, in California, you know, you can, um, if, you, if you're using an absentee ballot to vote, you can bring that into your precinct on Election Day. Yes. Uh, but, you know, however you do it, hand-marked paper ballot. I know it's not easy in Riverside. They love you to vote on those uh, uh, touch screens out there. But uh, you can uh, vote hand-marked paper ballots in uh, in Riverside, whether it's an absentee, personally delivered, or on Election Day. Anyway, you had a question about climate science or a no, thought. No, um, I was in school during those early 70s yeah. Um, studies, yeah. which came out, and our take was on it was, it's so far off into the future, it's not going to concern us, mm-hmm. and we have so much on our plate to worry about, like nuclear annihilation, mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. Soviet missiles, and then... And, and, the big earthquake and what have you. Thank yeah. You, Brad. Uh, thank you, Bill. I, I re- and I know that I love uh, the people who refer to what happened in the 1970s as all the scientists were telling us it was going to uh, freeze. We're heading towards a, a, a what was it? A new ice age. Uh, well, you know what? As it turns out, all the scientists weren't saying that. Amongst them, uh, well, ExxonMobil, who was warning that the planet is warming. And uh, not just ExxonMobil, but I think it was either 80 or 90 percent of the studies, of the scientific studies about the planet's future, would it warm or would it cool? 80 or 90 percent, I don't have the exact number in front of me, said even in the 70s and 80s that it was going to be warming. Those people who were saying the planet is cooling, they were outliers, which is why they, you know, take them and put their, uh, you know, dramatic claims onto the uh, cover of Newsweek or whatever they did back then. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go to uh, Alex in Cobina. Hey, Alex, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Thank you for calling. What's up? So, um, well, really, like, about Exxon knowing and stuff like that, 
I don't want, I don't, I really don't understand why people are surprised. Well, I don't know that they're surprised. I think, uh, A, I'm surprised that it's not being uh, reported more widely since ExxonMobil has spent millions and millions and millions denying or at least uh, obscuring their very own scientists and uh, creating the big lie that, uh, oh, the science is uncertain. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if man has anything to do with climate change. This shows that absolutely even ExxonMobil knew about it, and they knew about it decades ago. Right, which is like, it's obvious because as a corporation, you want to cover whatever is going to hurt your business, period. Well, yeah, but you know what? At the time, Exxon was looking at, uh, you know, they they realized that, hey, we're going to have problems if, if you know, we, we destroy the planet. We need to look at yeah. other uh, other forms of energy that we can get in the business of, because once people realize that fossil fuels is going to kill us, then yeah. they're going to shut us down. Anyway, yeah. Fred, real quick, uh, my phone's about to die. Go. Um, I'm sorry about that. It's okay. But- my main point is that, uh, do you mind if I send something out to the youth, to the youngsters who's ever listening right now? Do it quick, because i got to get to a break. Okay, well, look, youngsters, you guys got to come up with something new. These guys are still thinking about the same ways. To, they're, they're looking at talks. They're looking about talks about going to Paris and seeing what the president says. But we can't trust that. We as youngsters have to be able to think of a different paradigm. And that's all I want to say, Brad. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, I'm not entirely sure I understand that, but I'm not part of the youth, so maybe they get it and I don't. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate the call. Uh, let me get. Let's I tell you what. Let's take a quick break here, uh, and we'll come back with uh, some more of your calls if we have time. And Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. And oh, uh, that really cool Model X is out from Tesla. And uh, what else? Oh, I don't know. Just so much. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> Melting for you, Desi Doyen. The whole world is yeah. melting for you. Well, it's hot enough in Southern California, Lord knows. Hot enough for you. It's uh, only September. It's almost October. We're still having heat waves. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Obviously here with Desi Doyen. We will uh, get to our latest Green News report very momentarily. Let me see if I can get one more call. Let me get uh, Don in uh, Santa Monica. Hey, Don, you got to keep it short, but welcome to the Bradcast, sir. Yeah, you had mentioned uh, Ashton Carr, the defense secretary's uh, uh, comment in the beginning of the show, yep. uh, complaining about Russia bombing uh, cities where there's no ISIS troops. That's, mm-hmm. that's largely true because that's where they have their supply depots and their supply lines, I think, coming out of Turkey. And uh, all the lying that's going on about this situation in the Middle East is because uh, we are the ones, along with Israel and other nations there, who have uh, created and backed ISIS in this crazy plan, uh, just like we did with uh, the Mujahideen in Afghanistan, to overthrow governments we don't want over there, uh, mostly for Israel's ambitions, but also because of oil lines that are in conflict with those that Russia has that deals with other nations. And that's what this whole thing's about. It has nothing to do with democracy. It's all about money and power and hubris. And you know, are you aware that back in uh, September 24th, about a week ago, Netanyahu went to the Mossad headquarters? in the uh, Arutz Shiva uh, website, I think, or uh, newspaper, and announced that Israel has to become a world power. 
Israel, with what, six million people, six million Jews, and about as many Arabs? Well, you know what? Uh, Netanyahu has already discredited himself. He's already shamed himself in the way he dealt with this Iran deal. I hope the world just stops, simply stops listening to him, and that Israel gets some uh, decent leadership in the uh, near future. Don, anyway, I got to run. I got to get to the Green News. I really appreciate your input and your, and your thoughts on all of the above. Thanks, Don. All right. Uh, oh, are we ready, Des? Oh, are we're we, totally ready. We better get it in quick. You What? Are we running late? Yes. Me? The broadcast? Running late? All right, let's do it. Our latest Green News report. Today, I want to commend China for announcing that it will begin a national market-based cap-and-trade system. China gets serious about the environment. Any harm done to the environment is harm to humanity. Pope Francis calls for a comprehensive UN climate treaty. New report finds the world can move to 100% renewable energy in just 35 years. Plus... Shell pulls the plug on its Arctic drilling adventure. All of that good news and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Pope, 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 Pope. People lining the route of the motorcade were passing out. And that was just from the fumes from the Volkswagens. <laughs> Bless you, Bill Maher. This is your... Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, have you recovered from the Pope's visit to the U.S.? I know that was a big, big, uh, big week for you last week. Yeah, it was a big deal, but we will get to that next. But first, Shell is giving up its Arctic adventure for now. After sinking seven years and $7 billion into its Arctic offshore drilling project, Royal Dutch Shell announced on Monday that it will cease further exploration off the shores of Alaska for the, quote, foreseeable future. Shell said that an exploratory well found insufficient quantities of oil and gas to justify the expense of further development. Shell also cited challenging federal regulations as a reason for leaving the Arctic. Well, was it the federal regulations or was it the fact that oil prices have plummeted and they just can't find enough oil up there to justify the expense? In any event, glad it's over for now. The pristine Arctic is saved for now. We'll see what next season brings. Pope Francis, in his speech to the United Nations General Assembly on Friday, declared that the environment itself has rights and stating that mankind has no authority to abuse or destroy it. First, it must be stated that a true right of the environment does exist since the environment itself entails ethical limits which human activity must acknowledge and respect. Any harm done to the environment is harm to humanity. Francis also forcefully called on all governments of the United Nations to agree to an ambitious global climate treaty at the final negotiations in Paris in December. And on the same day as the Pope's address, President Obama and Chinese President Xi Jinping announced a new joint vision for that global climate agreement. China will launch a nationwide cap-and-trade program to cut its carbon emissions starting in 2017. Although cap-and-trade mechanisms have 
succeeded in stopping acid rain and repairing the ozone layer, congressional Republicans rejected similar cap-and-trade legislation in the U.S. back in 2010. At a joint press conference, President Obama said the agreement should be a signal for the rest of the world. When the world's two largest economies, energy consumers and carbon emitters, come together like this, then there's no reason for other countries, whether developed or developing, to not do so as well. And so this is another major step towards the global agreement the world needs to reach in two months' time. And yet the Republicans in Congress have been for years telling us that China would never do what China has now done. China, India, all these countries that are still growing, and they're not going to stop doing what they're doing. The experts agree that a climate policy that does not include massive energy consumers like China and India is essentially meaningless. We can't do it alone as one nation. The, the benefit, I think, is difficult to justify when you realize that it's, it's only us doing it. Nobody else is doing this. I don't think we can control the emissions from China and India, nor do they have any desire to control it. The United States is a country. It's not a planet. If we have statements such as we do have from the leaders in China and India and other countries saying under no circumstances are they going to accept any kind of mandatory reduction. What are we doing here? Don't those Republicans ever get tired of being wrong? And major progress has now been made toward those U.N. climate treaty negotiations. More countries over the weekend presented their specific commitments to cut emissions tailored to each country's circumstances now accounts for two-thirds of global emissions. But experts say it is still not enough and further reductions will be necessary. Finally, Greenpeace has released an analysis showing that the world can achieve 100% renewable energy by 2050 and create 20 million jobs. It's based on current rates of growth in renewable energy. 35 years to 100% renewable energy may sound unrealistic, but it turns out that of all of the organizations projecting global energy growth, Greenpeace has by far been the most accurate. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. You're bloody well right, you got a bloody right to say Right, you're bloody well right, you know you got a right to say Uh-huh Greenpeace has been right before. In fact, they've been more right than yeah. pretty much anybody else. So. Yeah, but no, but they're hippie, tree-hugger, leftist, environmentalists. Don't pay attention to them. Until pay after attention. they get it right. Pay attention <laughs> to the people who are paid by ExxonMobil to lie to you about your planet. Never mind the people who get it right. And, you know, and also just one more thing to add on top of what we just talked about with the China emissions cap-and-trade program, which will be the world's largest cap-and-trade program. Mm-hmm. Um, they also committed to donate. $3.1 billion to the Green Climate Fund, a United Nations fund that's being put together by developed countries to assist developing countries and the poorest countries to adapt to climate change. Um, so the new China emissions cap and trade plus their $3 billion donation, that's the same amount that the U.S. is committing. This is moving forward and it'll be interesting to see if Republicans 
recognize that. Uh, of course they won't recognize that. I know. We'll see Because they've been saying as recently as these uh, uh, the Republican debates just, what, a week or two ago, how China will never do it. They'll never go along. China is doing it. China this and that. We know that China's been doing it. They've been, you know, had this agreement months ago. Yes. With Obama, and uh, and they are just, they'll do anything they can to simply lie about it. Well, we didn't even get to, well, give me a quick thumbs up. Uh, Model X, I know you were up late last night waiting for that uh, Elon yes. Musk uh, Elon conference. Musk's Tesla electric car company has released the new first 100% electric, all-electric SUV. It's a crossover SUV. It's really cool looking, and it's pretty cool. It's got a bioweapons button on it, too. No, it does not. It so totally does. bioweapons button? Yes, if there's a bioweapons attack, you press the button and it uh, hermetically seals you or something inside the car. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. All right. If you missed any portion of our program and, and Desi making up stuff, you can always download not. our reports anytime at bradblog.com or at kpfk.org. My thanks to Desi Doyen, our producer, to Cynthia Cohn, our booking goddess, to G, our soundboard operating goddess. We'll be back with you, same Brad time, same Brad channel tomorrow. Until then, you can find me on the Twitters at TheBradBlog and, of course, at BradBlog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.